Hey, 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 and welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. My name is Nat Robertson, and I will be your host as we discuss the news and the newsmakers. We're going to play a little bit of music, and we're going to talk to, and we're going to talk about the movers and shakers around Fayetteville, Cumberland County, and the state of North Carolina. Our mission is to bring to the airways a common-sense voice on the right side of the issues. Our cabinet members in the studio today are Mr. Bill McMillan. Welcome, Bill. How you doing? Thank you for welcoming me and having me on the cabinet. Uh, glad you're here. We'll get into uh, the, your, your history and your depth in just a little bit, but uh, glad to have you. Also, Mr. <laughs> his depth? His depth. We're going I to thought talk he about said depth. depth. I'm going to talk about Johnny Depp. I was like, whoa. I'm sitting out on that part. <laughs> and Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr. Welcome back, Jimmy. Good morning, everybody. Oh, yeah. And joining us today as a special guest is Mr. Paul Valone. Paul is the executive director of Grassroots North Carolina. We're excited to have him talk about gun rights and uh, the kinds of things that are in the news right now. If you're listening (laughs) to us on uh, Carolina Country, WFAY 100.1 or The River, WMRV 106.5, we are glad that you are here. We appreciate you tuning in and spending time with us this morning. Check us out. Like us. Follow us. Share us on your favorite social media outlet. We are at The Carolina Cabinet. If you miss an episode of our top-rated podcast, find The Carolina Cabinet on Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast broadcaster. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Since 2012, Joshua Goodman has been the senior pastor at the Cliffdale Christian Center, a dynamic church and ministry located in West Fayetteville. Join our friend, Pastor Goodman, for a podcast or a live sermon in person at 6427 Cliffdale Road. Now, for today's good news, here is Joshua Goodman. Well, good morning from the All-American City. This is Pastor Josh, and have I got some good news for you. In a day and a time when so many want to unpack, talk about, discuss all the problems, circumstances, and situations, all the negative junk, I want to give you some good news. So can you believe over 20 years ago, crowds were awed by Maximus in the movie Gladiator. One of the things that he said in that movie that just resounds on the inside of me is this. He said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Every day we have the opportunity to throw pebbles into the pond of life. And what we do causes ripples, some ripples for good, others for not so good. You know, Newton's third law is for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And In life, it's the same way. Our words, our actions that are based in kindness, they ripple. Our words, our actions that, uh, you know, maybe not so much. Both words and actions carry great power. They affect yourself and they affect others. So ask yourself today, is the pebble that I'm throwing into the pond of life one that is positive or one that is negative? Consider the ripples that it will make. Consider the effect those ripples have on yourself and those around you. God has not just given you life, but he has given you the ability to live life well, very well. So get out there today and live life that leaves ripples that are positive. This is Pastor Josh, and that is your good news.
So our special guest today is Mr. Paul Vallone. He is with Grassroots North Carolina. This is his second appearance on the Carolina Cabinet, and uh, we are awfully glad to have you, Paul. In fact, I, I think what I will do is just let you introduce yourself here from a clip that I was able to pull from the website. In case you aren't familiar with me, I direct Grassroots North Carolina, or GRNC, since 1994, our state's most effective gun rights organization. As its director, I was involved in drafting and passing our original concealed handgun law. Since then, GRNC has gone on to engineer passage of concealed handgun reciprocity, our purchase permit bypass, castle doctrine and stand your ground, the expansion of concealed carrying to state and municipal parks, restaurants, public assemblies, educational properties, and much more. Grassroots North Carolina is exactly what the name implies, a grassroots collection of volunteers from all walks of life who share a common concern that our constitutionally guaranteed freedoms are being eroded. Check us out at grnc.org. That's grnc.org. And welcome back, Mr. Paul Vallone. Well, thank you very much for having me, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, excited to talk to you. There's so much going on in the news about uh, things that are happening in Washington, D.C., uh, with gun rights and, of course, the, uh, the the tragedy that took place in Texas not long ago kind of got everything stirred back up. So we're certainly glad to have you on with us. Well, there's certainly a lot going on right now, and quite frankly, it's a critical time for Second Amendment supporters because there is a sellout going on in the Republican Party. Okay. Now, the article uh, that I referred to earlier is uh, why conservatives should not compromise on the reasonable gun control. Reasonable, of, of course, is in quotation marks. Is that uh, the, 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 the sellout that you speak of? Well, that's the beginning of the sellout I speak of. Um, I started encountering uh, articles in some conservative publications saying that that uh, conservatives should buy onto red flag gun confiscation and universal background checks. Now, both of those things are, have some really serious problems. The biggest problem with, of course, uh, red flag gun confiscation orders is that uh, these things allow in some cases, virtually anyone to have you declared dangerous by a court in a hearing, an ex parte hearing, meaning an emergency hearing, you may not even know is occurring, much less get a chance to participate in. The first time you may be aware of this this uh, gun confiscation order is when law enforcement shows up at your door to confiscate your guns. Uh, that is a violation of due process. Uh, red flag gun laws, uh, according to the Crime Prevention Research Center, are not especially effective. Matter of fact, they have no impact on violent crime, mass killings, the number of people killed mm -hmm. in mass killings, and a variety of other things. Absolutely. But um, um, uh, the worst thing about them is that essentially it allows the government to confiscate your guns without any kind of hearing. You get a hearing after the fact, and then maybe you can spend maybe a thousand, thousands of dollars and years trying to get your guns back. Well, which now we can talk about constitutionality of such thing. Well, I would argue that it's a violation of uh, due process under the Fifth Amendment. Um, our fine Senator Tom Tillis claims that he would only support a red flag law that has due process. The fact is, however, that none of these laws has, have due process. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, he cites Florida's red flag law as a model. And Florida's had some very serious problems, including the fact that gun confiscation orders have been issued to children as young as eight years old. Hmm. Well, I, I will also say you mentioned the ex parte hearing and getting the guns away from somebody. 
But when you go to try to assert your rights and get your guns back, there never seems to be any urgency in that hearing or, or in any attention really from the system in helping you with that. Correct. And what's more, in Florida, one of the other problems they're experiencing is that uh, these are civil proceedings, not criminal proceedings, so that if the accused has no money, he can't hire a lawyer to get his guns back. So it uh, is discriminatory against people with limited incomes. The other uh, item that uh, these uh, uh, conservatives have occasionally been pushing are universal background checks. Uh, now, universal background checks may, basically means running private transfers, private gun sales, through the computerized National Incident Background Check System, which sounds like a lovely idea until you realize that, uh, I believe it was 51 Republican legislators did a FOIA request to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives to determine how exactly they had acquired 54.8 million records in a year. The answer is that the ATF now has 920 million records, 870,000, I think, or 870 million are digitized, okay? That's the transaction records that they've been keeping from the National Instant Background Check System in violation of both the Brady Act and the 1986 Firearms Owners Protection Act. The ATF is not supposed to com compile an illegal gun registry, but unfortunately that is precisely what they are doing. And so with universal background checks or with the light version in what Senator Tom Tillis and the Republicans are proposing to saddle us with right now, um, that's exactly what they would be doing, namely processing more, adding more records to the ATF's illegal gun registry. Paul, how would the background check, the universal background check that they're proposing differ from the background check that is currently being done for the concealed carry um, that you talked about in your intro? Or even you, a gun permit. Even for or that. even a yeah, gun well, permit. How is, that, how is that different? The answer to that is centralization of records. The ATF does not keep records for your concealed handgun permit. The ATF does not keep records for, matter of fact, there are no centralized records for North Carolina pistol purchase permits. What this, the uh, universal registry provision, which is what it really is, what that does is it runs everything to the ATF and allows them to centralize and create the national gun registry that they've been so long, you know, looking for. And of course, the only reason to create a national gun registry is to know where to confiscate the firearms once you decide to ban them. You can't confiscate what you can't find. And if anybody doubts that, they should ask the citizens of, of California and New York who registered some of their so-called assault weapons, semi-automatic firearms, and then got letters telling them to turn them in uh, or basically go to jail. Wow, big brother uh, looking out for you there. Um, the, prob the problem we've got right now is it not only has some conservatives bought onto this, but so has the Republican Party. Uh, Minority Leader, Senate Minor Minority Leader Mitch McConnell tasked 10 Republicans with negotiating with 10 Democrats to come up with a compromise. Now, 
<laughs> Anytime a conservative hears the word compromise, uh, his, uh, sh- his hackle should go up, because compromise, as our opposition defines it, generally means a process under which you may lose less than under their original proposal, but you still lose. Well, and, and compromise, so, what is it we're compromising? Our rights, generally, is uh, what it comes well, down to. Exactly, and you're not gaining anything. What it means is you're just losing a little bit less. I could compromise now, a lot well, of things, but when you start dipping into my rights, and, and it's year after year of compromising... That gets old. But let me ask you this. There was recently uh, a celebrity who, who had all the right answers to fix all of this, Paul. And you really need to listen to this guy because I think he knows what's going on because they gave him the, 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 the podium there at the White House. So he must know. All right, all right, all right. We need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle. Two twenty-one. Wow, that was uh, great acting. Mm-hmm. Spoken like an actor. I mean, truly, it was a, a, a heart-rending performance from the White House podium uh, from a guy who probably knows less about the issue than uh, almost anybody else dealing with it. Well, my buddy um, Bill here yeah. has an interesting point on Matthew. Tell, tell him your stat. Yeah, Paul. According to the Internet Movie Firearms, <clears throat> Movie Firearms Database, McConaughey has used 19 guns in 11 movies over 25 <laughs> years. And the article here in Newsweek, so we're 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 giving you let's let's quote Newsweek. He's not making. I mean, up. some of the pictures they use are some pretty pretty. Uh, I would have to say maybe automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapons, and definitely extended magazines. But he's an actor. <clears throat> it's okay. Yeah. They don't kill people <laughs> on movie sets, do they? Or do they? What was oh, his name? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, my least yeah, favorite that, actor. That, that classic, the classic Alec Baldwin hypocrisy. Yeah. No doubt about hey, it. Hey, let me ask you this, though, Paul. Hey, let, let's get down to the grassroots of this here. What is the answer? What do you think for someone to go buy a gun or to go get a gun permit or concealed carry permit other than the class with that? What should we be doing to vet the people doing that? Well, I think the more important question is, what should we be doing to stop mass killings? Don't you? Well, yeah, I agree, but separate point, We have realized that red flag laws and universal background checks and all this other stuff, they do not stop mass killings. We are actually bringing someone into the state of North Carolina on June 24th at Tom Tillis' district office to tell us what will stop, okay, armed, you know, mass killings. The guy is called, his name is Stephen Williford, and if uh, you may remember the name, he was the hero who stopped the uh, First Baptist Church shootings, in which I believe 22 people were killed, by shooting the perpetrator with his own AR-15. And he is coming to North Carolina. I have issued an open invitation to Tom Tillis to come to the demonstration on June 24th at 10 o'clock at his district office so that he can learn from Stephen Williford what will actually deter and stop armed mass, mass killers. Will you have a chair with Tom's name on it? Laws. Will you have a chair Pardon? with Tom's name on it so he knows where to sit <laughs> yeah, or so know, we know that I'm, the seat I'm, is empty? I'm, I'm thinking we probably will, yes. <laughs> okay. But no, no, seriously, and, and I agree with what you said. As far as mass shootings, and we've talked about it, um, that's not the save-all for that. I 100% agree. But just as far as guns go, making these purchases, getting these permits and all, should there be any vetting process at all? And if so, basically, what do you think that should be? Well, I'm, let me ask you a question. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm, now when I'm, you... <laughs> 
when you decide to broadcast this radio show, mm-hmm. is there any vetting process for exercising your First Amendment freedoms? Uh, to a certain degree, uh, on a radio station, yes. There is a regulatory well, government agency that will make sure of that. I mean, but the bottom line is that for a First Amendment freedom, generally speaking, there are very few regulatory restraints, unless you abuse that freedom. And I would argue, I hear this argument all the time from uh, anti-gun activists. Well, you people, you think you, the, the Second Amendment is unrestricted, but you can't ru- yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, apparently, these legal experts don't understand the principle of prior restraint. If I were to apply the gun control model to freedom of speech, I would be bound and gagged before entering the theater on the premise that I might yell fire. (laughs) Should there be any process for somebody to buy a gun, get a permit to buy a gun, uh, or even get a concealed carry outside of the the class itself, assuming you agree there should be a class, I I mean, maybe not. But should there be any process? I think the process should be as it was originally designed in the 1968 Gun Control Act. Namely, you walk into a federally licensed dealer, you fill out a Form 4473, the Form 4473 stays in his, his books for 20 years, and you are required to certify on penalty of perjury that you are not a disqualified person, which, by the way, Hunter Biden did do that, despite his drug you know, addiction and uh, a variety of other issues. <laughs> right. And yet Hunter Biden has not been prosecuted for perjury on that form because it is prosecutable. That did not require so, you to show an ID or anything? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Show a driver's right. license and, and identify who you were. But the bottom line was that unlike the national instant background check system, under the original system, there was no central registry that allowed the ATF to keep these records in violation of federal law. What we have done is to give them a, uh, a, a convenient mechanism for illegal, illegally registering guns, and they now have registered 920 million of these firearms. Now, what they did okay. do, they did do, is they they did regulate those gun dealers, and they did go in and audit those records on a regular basis, and they would go to those records, looking for firearms and owners of firearms when there was a an investigation or a concern a they, they were working on a trace. A well, firearms well, trace. they did firearms and, trace, and, but and, not just that, but also when there was a gun. They were trying to track down the, the, and it's like you're saying, it's a trace, but there was other reasons they would go do it because I, well, when I was in law enforcement, I dealt with them doing that a lot, um, mm-hmm. more than people would expect back then. There were certain people that were in these boxes all the time looking. Well, but see, once again, the difference is that that system did not allow, and it was intended not to allow, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives to create a central gun registry. And what we have done with the NICS system is we've allowed them to create the rudiments of that, that central gun registry, and I am quite certain that they will, as soon as they can pass okay, uh, legislation which allows them to register guns, they will use all of the transaction records that they have been retaining illegally to do that gun registration system such that when they decide that they can ban this or that firearms firearm rather incrementally one at a time they will do their they will use that system to send you a letter telling you to turn the firearm in or go to jail that's the point of this system 
So, Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a bill again. Does the does that registry you're referring to, does that hurt the legal gun owner more or the criminal on the street who didn't bother to register their gun to begin with? <laughs> An excellent question you know the answer to, because the criminals <laughs> steal guns or else they buy them without Form 4473s or else they, you know, they, they acquire them illegally on the street, and I can assure you they are never registered. The, the important thing to know you know, some people tell you, well, the, the, the uh, NIC system can't be used for illegal registry. Well, they should know that it already has been. Back when the, in 1998, when the initial five-day waiting period of the Brady Act sunsetted to the National Incident Check System, it required the FBI to expunge the transaction records for gun background checks within 72 hours. Attorney General John, Janet Reno kept those records in violation of the law, claiming she needed them for audit purposes, creating a de facto gun registration system. The NRA sued, but the uh, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected their lawsuit. And by the way, one of the judges who was in the uh, majority opinion on that was Merrick Garland. You may recognize that name, our attorney general. Mm -hmm. And they said it wasn't an illegal gun registry because it didn't acquire all of the records. Only when Attorney General John Ashcroft took over in 2001 did he destroy all the illegally kept records. I would suggest that basically they are, those records are now being kept again, and I can actually corroborate that because I've spoken to a gun dealer recently who said he went back to check on a background check he had done six months prior and still found it on the Nick's website. Wow. Well, it should I, be gone by now. I, I think one problem I have with, with the, what you proposed earlier is the way to do this uh, and going back to that from 1968 is, so you're telling me that we're going to trust convicted felons to go in there and tell the truth on that form. <clears throat> well, let me put it this way. If at such time as they acquire a firearm and use it illegally, they should be prosecuted for it. But unfortunately, that's not what's happening. They're not prosecuting people for perjuring themselves on 4473s even now. The important thing, I think probably what we're, we're getting a little off topic, because what's really being considered right now, so far the universal background checks haven't made it into the proposal the, Democrat, the Republicans are trying to shove down our throats. What have made it in, however, are red flag gun confiscation orders. And that's why we are telling people to contact Tom Tillis and tell him to withdraw his support. Interestingly enough, when McConnell tasked 10 Republicans for negotiating this so-called compromise, what that really means is that 10 votes give the, the Democrats the 10 votes they need to overcome a filibuster. Because you need 60 votes for cloture, they have 50 Democrats, and now they've added 10 Republicans into the mix. So if we don't peel one of these Republicans off that proposal, and I'm proposing we peel off Tom Tillis, <laughs> if we don't do that, we're going to eat red flag gun confiscation orders, we're going to eat order uh, a uh, uh, federal legislation to limit how many firearms a private individual may sell per year out of his collection before becoming an unregistered federal firearms dealer uh, right now. It's uh, the way it was defined in 1968 is essentially he makes a, uh, a living off it. But right now uh, they're talking about actually limiting that number. And this has nothing to do with the Uvalde killings, has nothing to do with the Buffalo killings or anything else. This is just their way of adding more records to NICS for the purposes of gun registration. Right. 
Paul, thank you so much for joining us uh, again. We look forward to, uh, to having you back next time. This has been a very interesting and uh, enlightening conversation. Uh, I want to, before we leave, though, tell us again uh, how we can get a hold of Grassroots North Carolina and um, your contact information. Well, for starters, I recommend people go to our site at grnc.org, grnc.org. At the top of that page is a big red stop sign that tells they can click on that and instantly contact legislators to kill the federal gun control that Republicans are now selling us out on. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope you will come back. Uh, Next time you're through uh, Fayetteville, maybe you can stop in and uh, visit us live and in person. It would be my pleasure. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. In the studio with us, we have Mr. Bill McMillan, and uh, we're going to talk to him right after the break. Mr. Jimmy Henley, which nobody ever talks to, but uh, no. you, 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 I'm glad you're here anyway. conservative local radio talk show that you're not afraid to tell your friends about the carolina cabinet land of the free thinkers and talk show of the brave the carolina cabinet presents money matters with eric nobles a weekly update of what you need to know to make your money grow mr nobles is a Fayetteville native and partner in nobles pound financial planning a regional planning and wealth management firm in fayetteville north carolina since 1991. Now, here's Eric Nobles. Life is a balancing act. Just after graduating from NC State, I was raring to go. I had lots of energy, 
lots of time, and very little money. Then 30 years flew by. Now I'm in my mid-50s. I have very little time and plenty of money. That is how life goes. One minute you're a kid with all the time in the world ahead of you and all you have are dreams and goals and very little money. And then you blink twice and boom, 30 years flies by. I've saved money every month since I started working, always watching every expense, trying to save money here and there. The habit of frugalness has really paid off. Now I have a little extra money, I can eat out occasionally, and even splurge a little on vacations. My financial life is definitely getting easier. As I have aged, other issues arise. When I was young, I had plenty of time and very little money. Now I have very little time and plenty of money. Most of the things I wanted when I was young, I now have. But I have learned that everything you own also owns a piece of you. I wanted a home. I now have a home. But I have to take care of the home and the yard and the property taxes and the insurance and the maintenance and the list goes on. Life is a balancing act. Don't get caught up trying to keep up with the Joneses. Be happy where you are in life. Remember, one day you may have plenty of money and very little time. Enjoy every day because life is a balancing act. I'm Eric Nobles, and that's why your money matters.
That is pretty much what I'm saying. So Bill is a bad dude. Yeah, uh, I do have a 38 gun in my pocket full of fun. There we go. <laughs> if you didn't know Billy Mac, I'll tell you, he is a bad dude. He is? He like, is a, like Ali said, he's a bad man. He's a, I'm a bad man. He's a junkyard dog. <laughs> he does have that appearance about him. Yeah. So in the studio with us are our regular folks, uh, Mr. Jimmy Henley. Hey, hey. Not saying that you're regular. In yeah, fact, you're uh, actually much I've been irregular. Irregular, yeah. yes. And Mr. Bill McMillan, welcome, Billy Mac. Uh, a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you for having me and uh, just uh, just hanging out, man, with some old friends and new friends. Yeah, we're super uh, super stoked that you decided to join us finally. So, Billy, it's great to have you uh, join us, and uh, <laughs> we are happy that you're here on this Sunday morning. Wow, man, and it's a beautiful <laughs> Sunday morning, too. It has been hot, 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 hot. Oh, man, this whole week has been hot. Terribly, <laughs> terribly hot. And it's hot right now. The studio is only partially air-conditioned, so mm. we are, uh, we're sweating right here, sweating to the oldies. We're in a DJ training boot camp. Boy, let me tell you, I need a refresher course for sure. Hey, can I ask Bill a question? Absolutely. Bill. Yes. So where are you from? Fayetteville. Born and bred and all that? Born and bred, Kafer Valley Hospital, E.E. E. Smith graduate. Wow, what year? 1985. <clears throat> I'm so old, when I went to Westlawn Elementary, Elma Eason was the principal. Wow. Well, I was 86 Westover, so you were at a school that was a little tougher. I don't know. We were pretty tough, though. No, you know, like Carl Shearer was a good pitcher over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Day Brothers, you had a left-handed pitcher named Wayne Day that I homered off of, I remember. Ooh. Did I remember. I did, man. I I, that was that was our red-letter day. Uh, the, the guy that hit in front of me, Calvin Garrett, who went on to UNCW and was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, I believe. He Al Bundy a, alert, Al Bundy alert. He's he, still living in his high school years. Yeah, he hits a home run, <laughs> and the very next pitch, I hit a home run. So that was kind of our, our – uh, that was the, the, the day. And that was, of course, back in Phi Slamma Jamma, and we had our own fraternity. was Phi Ripahoma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, oh dear. my gosh. Um, so what do you do, Bill? What do you do with your time? Uh, I like to sit in the backyard and smoke cigars. I feel like we're in a bar and I'm picking them up. (laughs) (laughs) Bill is a a, a guru of all. Um, Of course, we were in school together. I was friends with your older sister as well. um, Oh, that never ends well. (laughs) <laughs> no. Anytime that, so you see that guy? Yeah, I know his sister. You know his sister. Yeah, that was that was the bad influence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was the youngest member of the group, so you, <laughs> you know what happens there. Well, that's why yeah. you ended up the way you ended up. Bill will do it. Just ask Bill. Yeah, he's, he's he doesn't have a record. <laughs> he's a juvenile. They won't prosecute him. You know, Fayetteville is a big, small town, so it's uh, you know a lot about a lot of people, so. Um, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you stuck around and, uh, certainly glad that, uh, glad you decided to join us and, um, talk about some of the things you're most passionate about, like uh, you sports know, and mm, politics sports. and local government and all kinds of fun stuff. You know, the, you know, when, when I came back in 05, after being gone for 18 years, Fayetteville was a different place than when I had left in 1987 and it was... 
it was, you know, kind of trying to – you don't think about starting over. You, nobody ever wants to think about starting over. But here you are, 38, 39 years old, and, you know, you got to make the call. Hey, Mom, can I move back home? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, you know. Swallow you know, the pride. Swallow the pride, but it was all part of the plan, you know. So as I look back on it, that was that was where I was, I was supposed to be back here. Didn't know what I was going to do. Um, just knew I had a bunch of friends uh, that were still around. Some of them still doing the same things as I had left <laughs> in 1987, which was not a good thing. Right. But, uh, you know, I ended up uh, landing a gig from another at the Restore Warehouse. Uh, another longtime friend of ours, Lynn Green, mm-hmm. you know, was on the board and said, hey, you know, we need we need somebody that's got your skill set. I was like, the bar is low. I mean, they had signed me up. <laughs> Lynn Green. <clears throat> Lynn Bissett Green, Highland Lumber. Yeah, okay. So yep. we all another another E. E. Smith another E. E. Smith alum, yep. and right. uh, you know that was that was 2006. Of 16 years later, almost 1.5 million in in money given away to various nonprofits around town. We're all raised. We don't get any we don't get any grants. It's all it's all done in house uh, through the through the donation of new and used home and building materials, furniture, appliances, kitchen cabinets, and. You know, it it's worked, and, and so Fay- the, Fayetteville's a better place because of people donate to us, and we're able to help great organizations. It's it's pretty cool. I've shopped in there, and I, I mean, I've been amazed at the, the the quality, and a lot of it new sometimes or whatever. But knowing that that goes to charity, do you still get people coming in there? And trying to haggle the price down? Absolutely. <laughs> Is Absolutely. It, or their name's have, Nat Robertson. Yeah, have you been in there with me? <laughs> yeah, I know Nat. <laughs> How you, did you know? Yeah, you know, see, the uh, only reason he invited you on here is maybe you'd give him 50% maybe off of some flooring. Off. <laughs> hey, Bill, Billy, this thing says $3. How good can you do? <laughs> you, sound like, you sound like Elmer Floyd. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, well, see, I've got the reverse psychology on them because, see, I'm a licensed auctioneer, so I'll go as high as you want. <laughs> so they say, what's the best you can do? I was like, yeah, how high do you want to go? I mean, do you, it says 150, but I'll take 175, well, can I 175, get, 180. Do I hear 180 now, 185, <laughs> 190? And they're like, and they're going, whoa, 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 we didn't want any of that. No, we want to go the other way. And I'm like, you know, it, it's all for charity. And, you know, so we try to have a good time with it. You know, our we, we try to stay firm on a price. We think we've got a fair price. Um, some your, people, your prices are very. Some fair, people actually. disagree with that, and the majority of the people, based on the amount of, that we sell and the amount that they were in, able to distribute to various nonprofits around town, think otherwise. So, you're, I'm not. We're not going to please everybody. We're not a, apologetic about it. But what we're doing is making a difference in our community, and I'm not going to apologize for helping somebody who needs a hand mm-hmm. up. What are some of the um, charities or areas of the community that the mm-hmm. money from Restore goes to? Fayetteville Urban Ministry, uh, Johnny Wilson and his staff do a great job. They've got four programs down there uh, leading the way is their award-winning Find a Friend program, which is a mentorship program for at-risk youth with an unbelievable success rate of, of getting them out of the wrong lane, on the wrong path, and into the right path graduating high school going to college he does um, a great job you know the, you know they're uh craig morrison at operation in as much and what they're doing for homeless mm-hmm. uh, homeless men down there we actually employ two of the people that live at operation in as much to work at the restore warehouse wow. uh kids peace foster kids um <clears throat> kids is we're really we're we're really big in helping kids in the next generation you got to be careful how you phrase that <laughs> um, it could be really misconstrued. Um, Amy Amy Sparks and what she's doing at the School of Hope, the, you know, for autistic kids, Falcon Children's Home. Um, 
<clears throat> we've given to Habitat for Humanity. We've given to Seth's Wish. We've given to Family Promise, the Child Advocacy Center, the Kiwanis Club. We sponsor a baseball team. Matter of fact, I'm trying to get a night now where I can go buy dinner, go buy hot dogs and cokes for the team after a big win. Uh, you know, so it, it, that's it, an amazing it, list. There, there's people that are doing great things, and we're just in, ecstatic to be a part of what they're doing and be able to fund it and see the the results, to see the needle move, and be able to see a, a positiveness coming out of our community. I mean, we, you know, when you go to work for, uh, I worked for American Express. You know, so when you go to work for American Express, you're you're really help. You never see the end result of your of what your your for, your labor. Right. Here, when we see it, we see it every day. We see we help people we're never going to meet, we're never going to see, but we know that we're 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 doing a good job. I would say those mm-hmm. listening who have never been in the store should take a moment, go through there because you're gonna. I I would say the first time I went in there, I it was not what I pictured. Right. And I'm like, this stuff's brand new. That's brand new, or that's super nice. This is good quality. I really and, and I'm and the deals are better than the box stores. Yeah, yeah. And, and then at the end of the day, you can put the feather in your cap of it went to charity too. Right. I mean, come right. on, man. I mean, it's that's a win win. Um, and, and where if somebody wants to come by and check you out, where do they go? Two hundred five Forsyth Street, just off Rayford Road, kind of right behind the Walgreens. I had to think of what the name of that drugstore is now. Right, it's only changed about four <laughs> times since I've been there. In Across years. from Chris's Steakhouse. Across from Chris's Steakhouse, just down the Samuels. road from Samio's, the new Chick Fil A. We always have to give the restaurant plugs because we like to eat. <laughs> we like to eat. So Monday through Friday, ten to five. Come see us. You know, bring a donation. We call it participation. Some people donate. Some people shop. So either way you want to go, we're, we're there to help, and we, we appreciate the people who, who come in and support us and make it possible to do what we do. Awesome. Um, and you do everything from used washer and dryers to brand new kitchen appliances and, and kitchen stuff. No setups, kitchen right? appliances, kitchen cabinets. Kitchen cabinets. We do fully custom, uh, semi, semi-custom cabinets, brand new um, one of know, the bring prettiest it, bring, us, bring us your measurements um, you know another good friend of ours Ken Birdie yeah. o- over at Heritage Jewelers for the shameless plug there Ken um, another kid we grew up with <laughs> the, the kids of the kids of Honeycutt right, um, right. you know in the YMCA I mean they, when we, we, you talk about living there man I had a legendary t-ball career at the Y before <laughs> I showed up in legendary Kiwanis. in your mind maybe but <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean he, he he came in we've known each other he was like wow he, and then they sold the house and they came and bought another set so most most people you with cabinets anyway you only you're only going to do the kitchen once right, right um but unless you've got a problem but he was able to sell a house and bought two kitchens from us so we've got all the accoutrements you know all the the trim the molding the the crown molding um it's just not built on site it's but it's all part of it no, no particle board um all wood soft closed doors and drawers assortment of stains and colors and finishes and, and you do flooring mm. and all that kind of stuff too though so it's just kind of neat to, to see the way it all works man because i can assure you i don't understand it i don't you know i just <clears throat> i scratch my head and i'm going golly we got to do this we got to do that man we're, we're we, man how are we going to do this and then you the bank statement comes and it's like wow I mean, it it worked. That's awesome. And so we we get to go get the big check. And there's, if I remember right, lumber in there too. Uh, sometimes we have lumber. Yeah, I've been interested in the lumber. I'm like, what do they not have? But doors I mean, and windows, and yeah. I mean, uh, uh, sometimes you have uh, patio furniture and some really cool stuff there. Carpet, too. flooring. Yep. Yep. I mean, you never know what you're going to find. You never know what you're going to see. But as we uh, as we talk about, miss a day, miss a deal. 
<laughs> miss a day, miss a deal. Okay. You got you to give well, you, the people, they can't see us, but so if, if, if they, you watch the video, well, it's on the website. You do, that, that, that's where that comes if in. If you miss do day, nothing else, go in the store and ask for Bill <laughs> and ask him to show you that. Because, miss uh, a day, miss a deal. Yes, that's a commercial. <laughs> I've done one or the two of those in my time. So do we ask Bill about any of the local stuff happening, or is he just a little well, too dangerous to no, get into I that? Th- you know, Bill is not afraid to share his uh, share his view on things. Let's just jump into, what do you think about what's going on with crime, Bill? Uh, the crime bill, yes. We no. should, we should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Fayetteville is... Uh, I have the benefit of remembering Hay Street mm-hmm. from the early 70s. Right. <clears throat> you know, the open door policy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the open she door is. policy. Or the squad you know, or two. I can remember going down Hay Street and being four or five deep on both sidewalks as you're, as you're driving down for five blocks. You know, and Fayetteville was number four in the nation in crime at that point. If you go back and look at the early 70s, mm-hmm. Fayetteville was a, was a dangerous place. And yep. downtown decayed. Every, the mall was opened. Um, downtown to continue right. to decay. Uh, has it really ever gotten any better? I, I think it did. But right now, the people that are in our elected and appointed positions need to enforce the laws that are on the books. Mm-hmm. All that I ask. I mean, wow, that's a novel <clears throat> idea you have. Uh, you know, so it's it's not rocket science. It's 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 pretty easy. And then you know, whatever the lawmakers, because I had this conversation today. If if the people who are in the elected and appointed positions aren't going to enforce the laws, then why do we need lawmakers? Well, they're pretty good at enforcing parking. Uh, yes, you yes, that. you will give yeah. you will get a ticket down there in a yeah. heartbeat if you were one minute late on the parking. So I was downtown yesterday. Speaking of that, and uh, an associate of mine, uh, we were going to get some lunch, and I tallied up the ending of this, and and I'm not counting my my Biden gas that I spent getting over there, but I spent I think it was a couple bucks, three bucks on parking and a, a almost seventeen dollar salad. And I'm thinking, what is? And I'm not. <laughs> you were thinking, I'm glad Nat wasn't here. Yeah, well, that's all you'd be hearing about. Yeah, well, I would not have had would have lunch. Been a Forty dollars salad. Because soon as Nat looked, because Nat before he looks at the food, looks at the prices on the menu. I'm the same one. And he's looking for the small numbers as he goes down. I can tell. I know his system. And then, <laughs> and if his wife's with him, then once he's scattered out, he's looking at where she's looking on the menu. <laughs> and then we just get the average, the highest and the lowest. So. Yeah, sure. Um, no, she. she 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 goes for the high dollar one once in a while, but um, so I'm like, man, I'm almost twenty dollars. I'm pretty much twenty dollars deep in a salad, and I know some of that's where our prices are going up because of gas and you know the wonderful job the president's doing. Um, but downtown, other than I mean, to me, I see us probably going to have to end up taking some steps backwards because they are taxing the poo poo out of you to go downtown and be a customer or, or, or be whatever downtown it's going to cost you to do it when you can yeah. go to the mall or you can go out skybo road or you can go rayford road or anywhere else and park for free mm-hmm. shop for free mm-hmm. 
what's to bring you downtown? Why, as a small business owner, would I want to put a shop downtown? And have you seen the rents downtown? I mean, I've, yeah. I've looked at some of the buildings, and I was, I was kind of like, wait a minute now. I mean, this is not – we're not Greenville, South Carolina. I mean, if you've been to Greenville, Greenville yep. is a thriving. I think our council went there when they were looking at putting the baseball stadium down. I mean, it, some of the, the medium-sized towns, which we are, I mean, I think our downtown's good, but it's – it, it's not there yet, um, and I think that the council and I told a couple of council people when they enacted the, the the parking fees when when the woodpeckers first showed up. I mean, it was like they were a, a solution in search of a problem. I mean, there was there was not a parking problem yet, and they made sure there wasn't because they enacted the fees, and so nobody would want to come downtown. Right. Yeah. Why didn't you let it? organically blossom and grow and then after the season was over okay this is what happened you come back and you analyze the data and then it's like maybe we need to do this and it's incrementally and there there's a balance but they went right for the they went right for the throat so you know the city just passed the the newest budget uh this week what ends in that budget is 1.2 million dollars for the parking fund so because they're charging for parking it's costing the taxpayers $1.2 million on top of it. So for whatever they charge, they are in the hole now, $1.2 million to the parking service. Well, so let me ask you this then. Uh, if you know, we obviously have personnel, uh, equipment, various things like that to right. have this in place. That is it a, it's a private company, I believe they contract to, to do the enforcement. Correct. And so that private company is obviously making some good revenue off of this, mm-hmm. but yet the taxpayers are paying $1.2 million. $1.2 million plus what they get in fees and fines. Right. Wow. Okay. Yep. That sounds like some really bad government. Yep. And a parking garage that you can't even park in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I'm just, I digress. I apologize. Well, you know, you're but, a lifelong <clears throat> Fayetteville guy. You're allowed to throw in an opinion you know, on our local stuff here. That's why we're asking you. I mean, I mean, it was downtown where I learned what a quarter horse was right behind the old Capitol building. Hey, uh, okay. All right. What's a quarter horse? A quarter is where you go put a quarter in the machine and you get on the horse and I was ride. so scared where he was going with that. <laughs> after hearing that 70s Hay Street talk, I was scared where he was going with that quarter. After I asked him, I thought, shit, I'm asking, shit, I'm asking. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I've done radio once or twice. Yeah, I kind of okay. know my all way right, around. Right. You got a face um, for it, but um. yes, obviously, obviously, <laughs> that is without a doubt. Uh, yeah, there you go. We get a ring on that one. I've reused that joke and stole it about five times, but that's awesome. I'm good uh, with it. So, you know, just recently, I saw that the the mayor has some great ideas on what to do um, about the music venue, the Dogwood Festival. He wants to have some input on that, I believe. Um, He's yeah. up for a little more diversity, which I don't have any problem with. If we have diversity along with the other festivals down there as well, so Uh-oh. where's the diversity in the Juneteenth? Uh, and many others, and many others. Is there yeah. no Southern Gospel? There's probably There's no, no Southern, Southern Gospel, gospel at either the, at the, the, the Juneteenth. And well, that could go a lot of ways. Southern Gospel. I mean, that's not. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's Southern Gospel or any Gospel at Dogwood. So, you know, there are many cultures and segments that are being left out of many different festivals. So I don't know why the big push for uh, an African-American diversity during the Dogwood Festival is, is so, uh, so high a priority for them. Um, 
especially when you look at what is being funded. So the Dogwood Festival asked for $15,000, I believe. Uh, Juneteenth in this budget was budgeted for 125000 if I remember correctly. Hmm. So, um, you know, that's... I mean, the, the numbers are disparaging. And I'm a past president of the Fayetteville Dogwood Festival, so I've sat in those meetings and you know how do we get entertainment we, you know because that's the way the entertainer makes money right. you know so when okay so this is go for example 2010 pat benatar was a hundred thousand dollars wow and so you're going to pay pat benatar a hundred thousand dollars to come to fayetteville and play a free concert or a sponsor or a sponsor or a sponsor and, and you know then that's that's where i felt like the, the the festival has has fallen short is that we don't have the big name national sponsors that have come here to be a part of a festival that attract 200,000 225,000 people right and that that's where we have fallen short because we the Fayetteville's pockets are only so deep right i mean you you keep going back to the same people over and over again and nobody's stroking up i mean when i was when i was president there was a little little festival down in texas that had craft as the title sponsor for 50 grand i mean we're nowhere wow. near they're nowhere near a title sponsor the uh when it was the education lottery they were at 20 I mean, so you you start doing the math, and how are you going to get those entertainers here? And not to mention the the crime problem that you end up with, depending on the act. Right. Mm. Yep. Nobody wants to think about that. So we need to get um, a copy of the budget. And I just finished mine. You want me to go get it? I can email it to you. <laughs> no. no, not for the restore. I need okay, the you want to copy the budget? Just copy the city uh, to budget. kind of see what uh, see what we're paying as taxpayers for uh, for all this stuff. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. The highlights that I read. Listen, Billy Mack, thanks for joining us. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Look forward to coming back. Here. Jimmy Hindley Jr. Always a pleasure. Always man. our pleasure, sir. Thank you. And a special thanks to our guest, Mr. Paul Valone from Grassroots North Carolina. Please do us a favor, take time this week to visit one of our commercial sponsors and let them know that you heard their message on the Carolina Cabinet. If you missed an episode of our top-rated podcast, you can find the Carolina Cabinet on Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast broadcaster. You can always send us a message, like us, follow us, share us on your favorite social media outlet. We are at the Carolina Cabinet. And you may contact us via email at thecarolinacabinet at hotmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a smart message on our smart, I was going to say smart machine, but I guess it's a smart voicemail nowadays. Voicemail. You can, you can do that at 910-835-0835. Or you could fax us if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> we bought one at the ReStore. <clears throat> yeah, send us a telex. What's the telex address? <laughs> hey, just send us the tape. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in this morning. Until next time, we are the Carolina Cabinet. <laughs> <laughs>